Have you ever wished you could just bottle up this podcast and be able to reference your favorite nuggets whenever you need them? That's exactly why I wrote Parenting with Pride. It's filled with all of the stories, tools, and wisdom of Just Breathe, plus so much more. I cannot wait to get this book to you, and it will be available to ship on May 14th. But you can pre-order it now on your favorite online bookstore or click the link in the show notes. If you have a favorite independent bookstore nearby, ask them to order it. It is perfect for their Pride Month campaign. As much as I love bringing you this podcast, this book, Parenting with Pride, Unlearn Bias and Embrace, Empower and Love Your LGBTQ Teen is next level. Part instruction manual, part warm hug. It is what every parent, ally and open-minded curious listener needs. Order it today. Welcome to Just Breathe, Parenting Your LGBTQ Teen. My name is Heather Hester, and I am excited to be with you to transform the conversation around loving and raising an LGBTQ child. Wherever you are on this journey, right now, in this moment in time, you are not alone. So today is part two of my interview, my conversation with Connor, and we are going to do things a little bit differently than we did in part one. We were trying a little experiment in part one, and we didn't love the way it turned out. So we're going to do things a little bit differently today, and then I'm going to ask Connor some questions, and um, he's going to talk from there. And then I will share some of my thoughts at the end and we'll see if, if we like this better this time. So Connor, thank you so much for agreeing to do this and for helping me brainstorm and wanting to reach out and help and share your story and your journey and your experiences and just everything that you've been through and that you've learned in these past few years. So thanks so much for doing this. And we are going to start off. So where we left off last time was um, Connor leaving for California for uh, Newport Academy, which was or which is um, an intensive residential treatment facility um, that is really uh, for intensive mental health struggles. Um, it's very small. It's academic. It's obviously in Newport, California. And um, Connor was there for about eight weeks, seven weeks-ish. Okay, so we're going to start there. Connor's going to share with us a little bit of what that transition was like, and we will will go from there. So thanks for being here, Connor. Of course. Um, Yeah, so I think uh, Newport, like, I mean, 
objectively, I think that's the right word. Objectively, like it was a very like wonderful place and wonderful program. You know, I was definitely not in the headspace to appreciate, you know, it in all of its beauty and whatever. Uh, like, you know, we were literally, uh, we ha- it was a house. I mean, it was two houses, but the house that I was, you know, stayed at, um, it was kind of like on top of a hill. And it was like this little like gated area overlooking like, you know, the valley. And it's like we had a pool in the backyard. Like it was this wonderful, bougie little place. But like I said, I, you know, this was like two days after I tried to like kill myself. So I wasn't really in the headspace to, uh, you know, appreciate uh, that for you know its entirety. But, uh, oops, sorry, my Siri turned on. But, you know, it was something where I remember at the time, <laughs> at the time, my biggest concern was I, I have, you know, because I left the beginning of November and I was like, I have to be back by Christmas. Um, you know, all else, you know, if, if nothing else, I, I, I need to be up by Christmas. So that was kind of just like my mindset throughout the entire experience. So I think it was much more like, I saw this experience, like I saw a lot of other things, like I saw therapy before, like it was kind of um, something where, you know, there's clearly there's a system established for how you're supposed to progress through the program. And, you know, there's certain checkpoints you have to reach. And so that's how I saw it. It's like I saw it's like this is, you know, I can I can I can game the system for, you know, for lack of better words and like just rush through it and then I'll be out in no time. and It'll be fine. I thought that was working and, you know, like I, I, I was fully doing whatever I could to just like, you know, get to the end of the program, but they're like reached a point where my therapist there kind of caught on and I also had like a counselor. So it was like two separate people and they kind of caught on to that, that I was like, you know, I wasn't, I was really just trying to get out, which is understandable, but they kind of, you know, there was like a certain point where, every week they had like this thing, there was like different stages of the program. And so like with each stage, each progressive stage, you got more like privileges, you know, basically just like you're more likely to be discharged, which was kind of the end goal. And so I had kind of like, you know, I did all the work that I needed to do to finish it. And so I just need to have my therapist and my counselor approve it. But they kind of, there came a point where they kind of just stopped approving it because I was clearly just trying to game the system. Um, and that was like the first turning point where it was just like, I kind of realized like, you know, I, I, I tried so hard to be in control of the entire situation. And it was something where I was entirely powerless over, uh, you know, how I progressed in the program other than like how I was growing and changing, which is something that I wasn't organically doing. Um, so I think that was like the first kind of smack in the face of like, so I can't, you know, like I can't micromanage everything to my liking. And yeah, so I was kind of long winded and there was a lot to that, but I don't know where you want to go from there. No, I think that's really good. I think, and I think that's really uh, a powerful realization that you, you know, realize that just checking the boxes, you know, that was kind of the superficial, right? That you right. weren't doing the internal work that you needed to do. Mm-hmm. to you know obviously your goal was to get out of there yeah, right? right um but to really uh work through what you were struggling with you know and i think too part of this was 
you, you know, and this obviously went on from, you know, day one and, and you're still, you know, working through it now, but the whole coming out process was part of this right. too. And you, so were, you know, at that point we're like, I've, I've done it. Right. I'm done. I, I came out. Mm-hmm. Check. Done. And um, didn't really want to talk about it and, and didn't really want to talk about, you know, the, the harder stuff. And so I think that was a really, really, that was a really tough place, you know, and as, you know, <laughs> from the parent point of view. So, you know, Steve and I, um, Connor's therapist that he was talking about. So he was our family therapist, therapist, and he, we had weekly uh, video sessions with Connor and, and the therapist. And then every other weekend, Steve and I flew out there for family sessions. So I think that we were out there, what, four or five times yeah, in the time that you were there and for these family weekend sessions. And, um, you know, it was a huge, we were learning so much also, um, you know, not only about mental health and in general, but, you know, what you were really struggling with and more, you know, base things that you're struggling with. And then also recognizing, you know, that you're just angry and that you just, you know, you were so focused on that singular goal of getting out of there. Um, And I remember, and we wanted you home. And, you know, remember, you know, the, the kids were doing the countdown to Christmas, we were doing the countdown to Christmas. And the point that, you know, they came to us and said, yeah, he's, he's not going to be ready to come home by Christmas. <laughs> and, um, and then of course we also were having, you know, a whole other side of issues where, you know, we were struggling with insurance coverage and, um, and ultimately being able to financially keep Connor there, which, you know, we loved what they were doing at Newport. We loved what, you know, we could see some movement, we could see some growth and, and um, what ended up happening was that we, in a very short period of time, learned that we needed, we were going to have to pull him from there because of coverage. So then it became the quick, okay, what do we do? They're telling us he can't come home and he's not ready to come home, but we don't have any place we don't know what to do. So it was this very quick, like, here are, you know, places to look at, to interview people, to consider. We just started looking at therapeutic boarding schools all over the country. What, you know, we really wanted a place that would, where Connor could continue to grow academically, because that's something that he you know, we knew would be good for his self-esteem and just for, he, you know, he likes that. Um, but we also, we wanted somebody who understood um, the coming out process, somebody, and it didn't really matter to us whether the person was gay or straight. We just needed somebody who understood and worked with LGBTQ kids. And so that was a big piece of what we looked for as well. And so ultimately we ended up deciding on, um, Montford, Montford Hall, which is in, um, Asheville, North Carolina. So, uh, we, we took, 
how many days? Five days. We, you know, we, the entire okay. family flew out to California. We <laughs> checked Connor out of, it was on Christmas day actually. And, yeah. and got him, you know, took him out of Newport. We spent what, three or four days yeah, in California uh, together as a family, which everybody warned us against. Everybody said, you know, absolutely do not do that. Take him from point A and put him in point B. And Steve and I are like, no, uh, this is our kid. And we, you know, we know him and we all need that time together. Um, all six of us for all different reasons need that time together. It was so lovely in so many ways. It was so difficult in so many ways because they're, you know, of course, all of us just wanted to be like, oh, forget it. We'll just bring him home. You know, it's, we just want him home. We will figure it out. Um, and so we, Steve and Connor on New Year's Eve day, I think it was maybe, or the yeah. day before maybe anyway, yeah, yeah. um, flew from, we've, I flew home with the other kids. They flew to Asheville and, um, Connor moved into the next stage. So would you like to talk about? Montford from your perspective first. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. The objectively, once again, the description of the whole experience from point A to point B and all that was very nice. Um, I think, you know, again, from my perspective on that, I was just, um, I remember, you know, you guys had like, it was probably, yeah, it was like the last week that I was there, like the second to last week I was there. Um, that I found out about this and um, awful. The, the awful. Tell you people, awful. Right, the family therapy session. I was like, yeah. So you know, because I had been under you know the assumption I was like, oh, this is like my last family therapy session. So like, there's a good chance I'm going to find out when I'm leaving. And then I was like, well, actually, <laughs> we don't think you're ready for that. So, needless to say, I wasn't thrilled. Um, I was actually quite resentful and stayed quite resentful for a minute. I, yeah, we had our little <laughs> Christmas family time, which was nice, but also very much like, well, 72 hours and, you know, but anyway, get to Montford and I have, I mean, at this point I have very mixed feelings about Montford because originally, like, you know, as soon as I had left and especially you know, while I was in it, but like, I was so um, uh, resentful towards Montford uh, for just like for a number of reasons. It was like just a very unenjoyable experience. Um, and But like, you know, now that I've had time to you know reflect on it and, you know, just think about my time there, it was, there definitely were benefits to it. It, necess- it wasn't necessarily the design benefits of the program, but benefits that I had gotten nonetheless. But yeah, I mean, it was very much like, <laughs> I remember the whole issue, my original issue with it was it was much less, the first place Newport was much more therapeutic, you know, therapy centric and uh, mental health. And this place was much more, or Montford was much more um, drugs and substance abuse. So everyone else there was there for some form of substance abuse. At this point, you know, I had smoked weed and drank alcohol so i was um 
wasn't, you know, I felt kind of out of place almost and was very adamant about, no, I'm not an addict. Like, I'm just here because of my depression. Again, I remained like very stubborn that like I wasn't here and I wasn't going to be here for long. Um, and that was the other thing. That was the other like uh, original um, kicker was the, you know, so once again, like this whole experience, as my mom had said, was like incredibly rushed to get me from like one place to another. And going into the program, you know, I believe you guys were told, you know, like it would be you know roughly I, I under the assumption that I would be able to be in and out there in like you know six to eight weeks. That would all really need to like kind of get me to a point where I'd be able to go home. Little did we know that the average stay for the program was 10 to 12 months and that they, you know, kind of expected everyone to adhere to that pretty strongly. So I think realizing, you know, eight weeks in, six, eight weeks in, that I wasn't going to be here for six to eight weeks. um, I was, (laughs) I remember being incredibly frustrated and, you know, I uh, didn't talk to you guys for a couple weeks. You know, we had our, I had my, my 20 minute family call once a week that I could, you know, I had the choice to take. And (laughs) couple of weeks, I was so mad. I didn't take it. And no, you did not. I didn't answer the letter. It was very dramatic, but. But understandable. That. I mean, understandable. Right. And um, <laughs> yeah. as much as we were like heartbroken, we understood because we were equally frustrated that there had been such an incredible, not only an incredible miscommunication on time frame that that was not made crystal clear. Um, but also on when we would first be able to see you. And, uh, you know, we were going from being able to see you every other weekend right. and work through this um, to like every other month, two months, yeah. nine weeks until we saw you eight weeks. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really difficult. And then I'm just going to say one more thing really quick right yeah, now, and then I'll let you kind of go back into it. But just thinking, you know, Connor's just mentioned how he, you know, was frustrated because he had gone from this place that really was focusing on his mental health and he was really making some good progress as far as working through some things and then going to a place that was much more substance use focused. and. Um, that was something that we found so incredibly frustrating the entire time he was there because we have always believed, and I, I still to this day, I believe rightfully so, that substance use has not been the issue. It's what, what are the underlying causes? Why is there substance use? Why? And there was never that... I didn't ever feel like there was that effort to uncover the why. And so Steve and I felt the whole time, like we were just beating our head against the wall with, you know, all the different therapists there to, you know, it was just this total disconnect and, you know, what we, we saw to be the issues. So anyway, go ahead. I'll let you jump back in. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like, I'm sure we could talk about Montfort specifically for a very long time, but, uh, you know, because it was five months of back and forth drama. Um, but 
I guess just like the big things that you know, stick out to me still. Uh, the first was, I remember my therapist that I had there, like I, being at um, Newport, like I, you know, my family therapist, but I had a personal therapist as well. And I remember like, and a counselor. So like I had a therapist, personal therapist and a counselor, and I connected both with both of them like pretty well. Um, and there was like a good, like therapeutic dynamic, if that makes sense. Uh, getting to Montford, I was paired with therapist and I hated her. Like she was maybe not hate, but like she was the worst. Um, and like, it was just like, it kind of just was like, you know, the, the, the cherry on top of the whole experience, you know, it was very much like weird having, you know, I was living in a house with like, I don't know, it was, you know, kind of like 10 to 15 other, you know, teenage guys. And the entire time I was there five months or so, um, I was the only gay person there. There were several kids who were kind of like, you know, closeted or bi, but I was like the only one that was like very openly gay. Um, and for a lot of kids, that was like the first time like encountering a gay person and which was kind of crazy. But and then also just like with the kids who were closeted or not, you know, or but like, you know, questioning, whatever, um, were like I kind of became like, I don't know how to pr- you know, put it to words, but basically there was a lot of um, desire for experimentation that I did not hold the same desire but it was just like, it was a very weird part of the experience with be like my understanding of my sexuality uh, did grow in a lot of ways there. Um, you know, I had met probably, you know, one of the, one of the most amazing people I've crossed paths with um, was my therapist or was, um, I don't even know what his job there was, but like mentor, director, mentor, director, person, uh, Daniel, and he was like kind of like my first like quote-unquote gay therapist and like it was just a lot of like I don't know he was just very wise and very calm and very knowledgeable wise and knowledgeable is the same thing very kind like I've kind of patient patient thank you yeah like and just like very understanding so it was really great to meet him and to like have that relationship there um, cause he left around the same time that I did, but, um, that was definitely a great part. And like, you know, I guess, God, yeah, there's just so much that like I could talk about, but like, I don't know if it's necessarily relevant. The parts that I appreciated the most was my ability to kind of like, I was able to develop, uh, personally, um, in my world perspective and um in my sexuality very individually without you know kind of external influences like yeah you know we were watched 24 7 by adults but like there was it was a lot more of just like i was able to kind of like see things and understand them without any like you know bias or influence of others so like i feel like a lot of my like core beliefs and worldviews kind of started there you know my understanding my sexuality my confidence in my own skin um you know, th- there was like the first like gay like youth group that I joined, and so it was like just all these kids in North Carolina. So it was like you know these kids came from like miles away to just like come to this youth group once a week, just like you know come to this safe space and you know just talk and hang out. And it was just like it was a very um, empowering thing because you know I was still you know. I- I was just figuring out what like being gay meant. So it was like, I barely had any understanding of like what gender meant to me and what sexuality meant to me more than just like, you know, I like guys. 
Um, and these kids like had such like deep understanding and like openness and just like had like, you know, I thought, you know, like they had like figured it out and like, it, it was just such a eye opening experience. And I went to my, my first gay prom, my only gay, the only gay prom I went to, but like, yeah. that was also just like another little, like very sweet experience. Like, you know, all these cute little gay kids and they're like tuxedos and dresses and whatnot. And it was just, yeah, like I'm kind of going in 12 different, different directions, but you know, looking back on it, there were equal part, you know, there was a lot of bad and a lot of counterproductivity, but at the same time, there was a lot of like positive, empowering, improving, whatever, like moments. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. I don't think you were all over the place. I think that, I mean, it was, there was a lot that happened in those five months. Yeah. And, and there, and I think that over time you've been able to really appreciate the good things that did come out of it. And I think, like you said, one of the things that, you know, over time I've been able to appreciate is that you were able to, be away um, and slow down and really just focus on you and, and figuring yourself out. And, you know, and I am so grateful to Daniel and to, to Doug as well. And um, for just, you know, guidance and for being there for you and for being listening, you know, listening, hearing you, seeing you. There were a number of things that occurred that um, Steve and I were able to finally say, okay, this is, this is when we're bringing Connor home. And I mean, essentially you finished your junior year curriculum there. And um, that was one thing we wanted to make sure that you, you know, successfully completed junior year, both with, you know, to their requirements, to New Trier's requirements, because that was a huge back and forth. And, and right. you very clear that you did want to go back to New Trier. And so that was part of making sure that that could happen. And, um, and well, so, what I was thinking when I said that, but yeah. well, you know, <laughs> We live and we learn, right? right. Um, so Connor was able to come home on uh, June 9th of 2018. And um, so we're going to move into him coming home and his transition home as well as his transition into his senior year. So do you want to share a little bit about that? So coming home was yeah but like beginning beginning middle of june which was great you know i was able to come back it was like right before all the pride stuff had started you know parade and all um so i was able to get back for that which was really nice i was very excited about that um and i remember you know great to be back friends and family it was this whole you know just like nice to be in real life again um yeah i mean i guess like the rest of the summer really like passed without too much incident uh, i mean going to new york for sure new york city for the first time um and i never really like 
I liked the city. I liked Chicago, but like New York was really never on my radar as anything that I was thinking about. Like when I was thinking uh, colleges, because that was something that I would just have to start doing. Um, I was thinking like I was going to go West Coast. Um, I had wanted to go West Coast and that was it. But as it turned out, you know, visiting New York, I loved it. You know, there was so much about it that I loved. I vibed really well with it. And, um, you know, seeing New York University, the, just how beautiful the city was and just like the culture there and just like, you know, granted this, like we, ha- we did very much the tourist tour. So we got to see all the basics, but still it was like very much something that, you know, I appreciated and that definitely put like New York University on my radar um, for applying. But yeah, I mean, other than that, um, the summer passed without too much incident, uh, incidents and started senior year. Um, and I remember that being pretty hard. Um, you know, I'd kind of forgotten how just brutal it is. <laughs> the social, like the social, whatever dynamic there is and being gone for seven months and having a lot of people know where I was for seven or yeah, for seven months was like, not great. You know, not like anyone really openly said much about it, like other than my close friends, but like it was still kind of like this weird energy, I guess. Um, And then also like something that I could talk about um, at infinitum is the fact that a new Trier, you know, being gay, being anything that's not straight white Christian male, um, you know, you're tolerated, you're not accepted it's really like that was really difficult to come that realization that like you know a lot of people that I was like friendly with before uh, when I before I came out had like really distanced themselves from me and from my friends and like just like it was like very clear that like who I was and who like you know like just like that kind of whatever like was not something they wanted to associate with which you know was on them but it's it was still very off-putting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I kind of, like, for that first semester, it would, again, pass without too much incidents. Um, it just was, you know, realizing, like, God, I need to get out of here. Um, whatever happens, I need to get out of here. I need to do well. But, yeah. Yeah, you had a very strong first semester. I mean, you, you know, that was getting being on the habitat board was huge. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, really first semester of senior year is all about applying to colleges, writing your essays, um, all of that. And you, you know, you had basically decided that NYU was your, you know, was your top choice. That's what you really yeah. wanted. And, um, and thankfully, you know, you got in with early decision and, you know, you, you got to win, which you, you, you know, so badly needed, you know, something to just work. And that did. And, you know, so very grateful for that because you really, really needed that and, and you earned it. Um, but you also needed it. So I think that was super, super important because you were working very, very hard once again, to manage everything that was coming at you and um, everything that you were still, you know, working through. Um, And a lot of that was not wanting to 
deal with what you are working through, right? As you look back and you reflect on how you were feeling then, it's so easy to understand why you had, you know, the feelings of the social isolation and you know, you've talked about and and a lot of this I know comes definitely more in your second semester, but you know, feeling hopeless. Um, these are all so understandable and, you know, please, if, you know, if you want to add on to that, please do. This would be, you know, a great place to, to jump back in if you'd like. I definitely, I definitely like that was probably the most significant thing at the time was getting accepted early decision to NYU. It's like, you know, like you said, a huge win that I definitely needed. Um, I really don't know. <laughs> Uh, if I didn't, what would have happened? But got it. That was great. Kind of started to feel, you know, definitely was feeling the social, the social isolation, um, old mental health stuff coming back, really just like, you know, depression. Um, and just like that, you know, and rolling into second semester, really just like that winter. It, it's such, you know, like I've said a couple of times, like it's the environment of high school on its own, but then just like Nutrier, like is so just, it weighs down on your conscious so much. And just like everything is so, everything just became so unenjoyable by senior year. Um, it was by, by second semester. Like I kind of felt like, okay, you know, everything that I've done at Nutrier was just to get me into a good college, which, you know, I've done. So I'm done. Um, and you know, while I was like, I never really said that explicitly, I think I'd kind of given myself that permission to check out and second semester, I was kind of like, just checked out, you know, I gave a little effort towards the beginning, but school really just like stopped mattering. Like it just became a place where I was just miserable all the time. Like, you know, I had my friends, but like they weren't, you know, large in number um and you know at a school like that where it is so massive it was like it just I felt very cut off and very just like was mentally ready to graduate at the beginning of the year so just like I kind of just felt burned out and I was kind of burned out second semester I'd started uh you know I'd gotten closer with one guy and um not at school but like just you know who i was hanging out with a lot and that like kind of provided a nice like sense of consistency um and at least something that like i kind of could look forward to like on a day-to-day basis and like everyday life so it just made like everything a little more palatable and you know that was that was nice for a couple months yeah so i mean i so i had broken up or not broken up but like i kind of like separated or whatever we kind of like went our separate ways um with the guy who I was kind of more involved with and you know that wasn't great and I think you know I'd kind of like I'd just been getting to this like really just checked out bored done just like with with my with life at that point like it was just everything was so boring and Nutrier was such a life suck that like there was just there was just nothing that was like really giving me like happiness and you know i i felt 
totally just like isolated and cut off from everyone. You know, I had like, you know, a couple friends to talk to, but like no one that I could really talk to about all the stuff that I was feeling. As the school year progressed at that point, I kind of started looking to other places and places that kind of like gone in the past for connection and community um, and which subsequently kind of led back to like using apps and websites and stuff to, you know, find people and to, you know, kind of engage. And um, it just, it kind of became like a replacement the, the connection and the community I found in there became a replacement at, for or fulfilled the need that I had, um, you know, from the void of school and life at that point. Unfortunately, you know, the communities that I kind of became engaged with were very, very heavily connected to substance use and hard substance use. Um, and so that you know, like a lot of people think, you know, when you mess with that kind of stuff, like you can do it once and then you'll be fine and never again. I think I was naive to think the same thing. And I guess very, very, very quickly found that that was not the case. And that, that was something that I probably shouldn't have done. Started engaging with these people, started using, started doing all this. And things spiraled out of control very quickly. Um you know, without going into like too much detail, just the situations I was putting myself in, like the risks I was taking and the, um, just the, the stuff I was subjecting my body to, um, it just was so awful and toxic and whatever, but like, it gave me this rush and it gave me this excitement and it gave me stories to tell. And I knew for a fact that like, you know, once again, no one else in my school is doing this. You know, this was, this was far more, you know, badass than anything I could be doing with these kids in my school. And, you know, I felt far more desired than I'd ever felt, you know, at school and like in any social circle. So it gave me, you know, even though it was toxic and destroying me from the inside out, it was, it still gave me a sense of community and belonging in a twisted way. Um, so it fulfilled that need. And I think... I wouldn't say I was able to keep it in check while I was still in school, but it was, there was, I still feel like there was still a level of like control that I had over it because I was kind of just crawling towards the finish line at Nutrier in every meaning of the word. So yeah, I mean like once I finally, you know, graduated, which I think at that point, everyone was kind of just like, thank God, um, <laughs> you know, myself included. Yeah. That's very accurate. You know, it was such a nightmare and still was. Leaving Nutrier um, kind of just allowed me to spiral even further. My observation, I mean, I've obviously had a million observations of, you know, what we were feeling at the time and, um, you know, and now in retrospect, <laughs> uh, what we know, listening to you kind of say it's, it is interesting that you really were kind of back in the same place, right? So all the work that you had done, Newport and Montford kind of was put on hold. And this is, this was how you knew how to survive in this environment. 
um, the environment of Nutria, right? And how to cope. And this was, you know, it kind of all went back to those like basic, really basic coping mechanisms. Where were you mentally in that at that time, right? It was very, right. very similar places, right? Even though it was a year or two later, Steve and I were once again, trying to figure out, you know, because he had transitioned home so well, because first semester had gone so well, um, because we were, you know, definitely, you know, looking to the future of, you know, him going away to NYU, all of a sudden, we had this space of time that was four or five months where he was really struggling again, and really back in that just low place, right? And trying to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we help this kid? How do we, you know, pull him out of here? Right. And how do we help him, you know, give him the tools so he can pull himself out of here? Because, you know, that was the other huge fear for us was he's going, he's moving to, you know, he's not just going away to college, he's moving to New York City, you know, one of the biggest cities in the world. And, you know, three, four months. And so how do we know that he's going to be okay there and be able to survive there? And so these, these are all of the, you know, kind of feelings from a parent standpoint that we were going through at the time um, of, you know, what do we, you know, what do we do? Um, how do we help this kid? And, um, you know, and, and, and all along he, you know, had been seeing a therapist at one point he was seeing two different therapists and, you know, I'll, I'll let you talk about that. Um, too, as far as like kind of how that played, played in all of this, it was scary in a very different way than it had been scary before you went away to Newport. Mm -hmm. Um, I think more because the, at this point we were trying to figure out how to prepare you and if you were actually going to be prepared to go away to, to college. And so this was, you know, this was, you know, about a year ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's crazy. Like thinking about that right now, because you know, where you are right now and where you were then are two vastly different places, Um, which is why we're able to talk about this so calmly. Just FYI, everybody who's listening, I know we probably both sound super calm. And, um, and it is only because we've, we have walked through this as, you know, I've walked through this as Connor's mom. Connor has actually walked through all of this and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and faced not only these experiences, but has then gone back and faced a lot of this in, in therapy and talking about it so he can get to a place where he's, you know, where he is right now. So I will stop and let Connor jump back in and talk about, um, just a couple more things, which really, I think he wanted, you know, we really wanted to talk about the experience of, you know, how you got to the place of being like, okay, you know, where we were all like, you can do this. You, you can go to NYU and it's going to be awesome. 
And I know you also really wanted to talk about or a l- touch on the role that therapy played for you at at this, you yeah. know, kind of in this twelve month period really? of time. So, yeah, I think I'll touch on that. Oops, sorry, I totally just cut you off. No, but, you're good. Um, I think I'll touch on that first, and then kind of like you know, ending on <laughs> where it was yeah. right before I left. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess. Um, on a more, on a lighter subject, uh, with therapy, you know, I'd said like, I remember the first, you know, section we did of this, um, you know, I'd said I'd really had, I didn't really have a relationship with therapy. I didn't see it as a legitimate, like, you know, way to deal with my issues. Um, but I think that quickly, quickly changed, um, especially at Newport, you know, getting like basically like a team of therapists and like therapists that like i mean clearly they're much more well equipped to deal with someone like me um and like with the needs that i had at that time um so it kind of made me realize like okay like there is i mean a there's a ton of work that i need to do but b it's very very possible to do this work with these people uh so yeah i mean there it was great a new port to kind of like realize like okay this is actually like a viable tool um and i guess that was further reinforced um at monford but more so reinforced the fact that like i will you know i I basically respond much better to be able to talk to like you know having like a gay male therapist being a gay male um it was very very helpful just because you know they could understand um, you know, what I was going through, what I was dealing with in a unique way that others couldn't necessarily. And so that was really helpful. And I kind of like realized like, okay, like, you know, I, I can be real with my therapist, you know, and they will most likely get it. Um, so that was like a good place to be and leaving Montford was kind of like one of the agreements that like, it would be very heavy therapy, which was like, I was fine with that because that was kind of life for the past seven months. Uh, like I had, to, or sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, I'm going to jump in really quick because that was such a great thing, a great realization. And it was such a, like for us, like, a oh my goodness, why didn't we realize this before moment that of course having you know, a gay male therapist for him would, you know, would be so beneficial. And so, you know, prior to, to, you know, Connor coming home, I think I interviewed, I don't even know, maybe five different therapists myself and um, narrowed it down to, I think, three that when Connor came home, I wanted him to interview them to figure out because we, you know, we wanted it to be a good fit and a, a, a strong fit for him. Um, and somebody he felt like he could connect to, which was super, super, you know, super important. Um, if you're going to be, you know, vulnerable and work through some, some tough stuff. So, um, that, that is, that is what we did. And I just giggled like thinking back to that and, Yeah, Uh, that was a process. Um, But yeah, so sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there really quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, it was it was definitely a process. Um, But what I ended up with, you know, it was kind of like between two therapists, um, 
Jamie and Josh. And again, yeah, another Jamie, just kind of random. Anyway, um, you know, so they're both gay. And, um, you know, so that was, you know, that was one of the big selling points. Um, but I had also kind of chosen because they both, I mean, it turned out that like they both had very different approaches to therapy, um, just in the way that they conducted sessions. And one was definitely much more uh, gentle, kind of like, you know, at your own pace, like kind of just like he was there, kind of just like helped me process what I wanted to process in the moment. Like it was much more like, oh, what's going, like what was, what, what happened this week? Um, and so that was like, you know, that definitely like provided like a certain sense of comfort. Um, but then the other therapist was much more, um, I don't know what the right word would be, but he, it was it, it was a very strange dynamic. It worked for a couple months. Um, it was very much more like he was kind of like he would kind of tell me what to do or like what needed to be done to uh, work through these issues. It was just much more like he was much more blunt. That's what it was. Um, and Fair. Mm-hmm. like there was just like a very weird, like just the, the dynamic was very strange, but also again, but when I started using, um, and I was like pretty transparent about it with him, um, his, you know, his response is basically don't use. It's like, okay, that's really helpful. Except for the fact that, you know, that's not that easy. It's much, you know, it's a lot different than just not using. So we kind of split paths around that point, um, parted ways. And so I was just seeing, don't you just see the one therapist? And I'd end up seeing him through the rest of the summer. Um, because <laughs> even though I was like, I really, I could tell him everything that was going on. And it was very like gentle and like, you know, kind of what I needed at that point. It like, it wasn't like I was, you know, making a bunch of big life discoveries or changes. It was kind of just him being, you know, me just going in and, talking for an hour about how my life was falling apart and him kind of being like, it's okay. You know, like <laughs> they're there, um, <laughs> you know, please just don't die before the next session. Um, which like, you know, to an extent was what he would say. So, you know, I had pr- pretty, pretty low standards for life at that point. Um, in a lot of ways, but basically with therapy, it, that, like I, I, had come to realize I realized it pretty quickly, but like had come to appreciate how, you know, it really was what I was going to make of it. It's, you know, it's a time where I can be entirely vulnerable and, you know, I, I shouldn't be, you know, I, I, you know, technically shouldn't be judged for whatever I'm going to say. And, you know, that, that was something that was like really important. It was like, it was a safe space, you know, for lack of a better word. Right. And, um, you know, and it, I, and I could talk about this stuff, like when it did start to become heavier, like it was like, okay, this is the only place where I can really air this stuff out with like someone who could partially understand, which was helpful. So then I guess, yeah. So then, you know, kind of transitioning to uh, around, you know, late July, early August of 2019, um, kind of being... So I don't want to say it was a state of me being ready to leave because I mean, I wasn't, but I was not going to, you know, I wasn't going to let that stop me. And I wasn't going to let, you know, that come get in the way of me getting to New York. Um, you know, I'd kind of, 
made a feeble attempt at, you know, convincing myself that, oh, you know, like once, once I get to New York, you know, I'll stop this. Like this is, you know, this is just, you know, because the environment I'm in is so toxic, you know, I'll stop using, uh, you know, I'll be able to be clean um, when I get to New York. That, I guess that mindset was enough. And I think we, we were all, we, I'm going to say we, I mean, you know, my parents and me and my therapist were so like, kind of, I feel like just like so wanting for it to be okay. And like, so wanting things to like, to, to feel good, to have any sort of like reassurance that like, yes, things can keep moving forward. Um, I think we all kind of just were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Once, once he gets to New York, it'll be fine. Like, it, you know, the, it's it's part of the environment here you know like it's it's not going to be um an issue there and even though you know we maybe not would maybe did not believe that um it was kind of like enough to ease ease our minds i guess but yeah that was kind of the point we were at yeah i think that's i mean that's really that's really accurate and i think part of it too like from from my perspective, and I think from Steve would say the same thing is that, you know, we knew from, you know, talking to our therapists and talking to other parents whose kids had gone away to college that, you know, kids do all kinds of crazy things before they leave. Um, and, and part of that is like this whole separation and, um, and that's how they, you know, they separate from you and this is all developmentally appropriate. And this is, you know, whatever, X, Y, Z, you name it. And so I think we were all of this mind of this is what's supposed to happen. He is ready. He, he can do this. (laughs) He's got this. And, um, you know, as, as scary as it is to send your child off to college, no matter where they go, we knew it was important that he did go. So I think that's, that's definitely, you know, that's where we're going to leave it today is Connor leaving for NYU, unless you want to add anything else, Connor. Uh, Oh, I think that's another great cliffhanger. (laughs) I think we've done a good job with that, right? (laughs) Yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah, hangers. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. You know, it's a good. It's a sufficient plot arc, and we will reach a conclusion. <laughs> Knock on wood, but you know. we will. We will. I promise. You. You all are going to have to wait another month. So, hang in there. Um, but this. The. This is. This is a lot, and I give Connor so much credit for walking through all of this again and being able to be really vulnerable and really honest, um, you know, for, for all of you. So, um, Connor, thank you for doing that because I know that even for me, some of these, these things that we've, we've walked back through and as we've talked and planned have been really difficult to do. Just thank you. Thank you for sharing course of yourself with all of us and know that you are touching people's lives and that people do appreciate this. So thank you. Um, So this is, this is where we are going to leave you for today. And I just want to thank all of you for joining us and for listening. Just remember to, to breathe, to take that deep 
deep, calming breath uh, that you know it's going to center you and then it's going to give you strength and it's going to give you clarity. Um, you all know that I have been breathing through all of this. And so it is incredibly helpful. Just a reminder to please subscribe to and review Just Breathe on whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. Please subscribe to my website to stay informed, chrysalismama.com. You can also sign up for my monthly newsletter there, as well as access tons and tons of resources that I have available. If you are in need of a place to just chat with other parents and allies, check out my private Just Breathe Facebook community. There are a few questions to ask to get in there. It is it is private and is a safe space. And as always, please share with anyone who needs to know that they are not alone. Until next time. Does the thought of using pronouns respectfully or understanding certain terms in conversation make your palms sweat a little? No one likes that deer in headlights moment. So many of you have emailed me with questions on this topic, so I thought I'd put together a free guide so you can have all of this info just a click away. Pronouns Made Easy covers pronouns, of course but also includes information on some of the most common confusing words and concepts, as well as a list of timely resources. Who can say no to a free lifeline, right? Just click on the link in the show notes or on the gorgeous graphic on the Chrysalis Mama homepage and a free copy of Pronouns Made Easy and a huge sigh of relief will land in your inbox.